0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heavenwards podcast. I'm Father Stanislaw, and I am so glad that you allow me to share with you God's Word. We are on the fourth Sunday of Advent, a very short Advent week, but we are still taking a step in preparing ourselves for Christmas, for the celebration of the coming of the Lord. Let's open our hearts and minds with a prayer and let's receive the Word of God. Let us pray.
1: Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, your grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the Incarnation of Christ your Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his Passion and Cross be brought to the glory of his Resurrection, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. To you, Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. The Gospel of the Lord. (coughs) Four candles are lit. We made it. All right. So now we know that with four candles, our spiritual light is brighter, and therefore we are able to see clearly what God is doing. And what He's trying to do, what is telling us that He wants to be with us. This thing will come. This is a sneak preview. Ready? I hope I won't spoil the whole year. This is going to be really the theme of the year. Because in the Gospel of Matthew, this basically, this concept becomes the major plot. Okay? We have this expression at the beginning. God is with us, as we heard today. We will see Jesus telling at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, I will be with you until the end. And right in the middle of the Gospel of Matthew, we, see, we hear Jesus saying, Where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst of them. All right, so this is it. Keep coming back. It's going to be interesting. But we are exploring how can we prepare ourselves for this encounter. And every year we take this journey of Advent. And every year we try to deepen this mystery. Because every year we discover that God is trying to make us aware that he is indeed with us. And the good news is that if he is with us, and if we really believe that Christmas is not just one of the many other stories, many, one of the many other movies we watch on TV at this time, then our life can change. We are never alone. We are never on our own. Because no matter what we are going through, He is there. But sometimes there are certain events that make us feel like, well, it doesn't look like it, that is with me. It doesn't feel like it. What is going on? We call those moments crisis. And we start talking about this concept of crisis last Sunday, you remember? And it's interesting that on the Sunday where we lit the pink candle, the rose candle, I keep confusing the colors, the rose colors, the rose candle, when we were invited to rejoice, then the topic of crisis came in. And that's because crisis, like temptations, can be our friends, can be a way in which we can encounter God. We tend, on a human level, trying to avoid them. But God is telling us you cannot avoid temptation. You cannot avoid crisis in life. Just let's go through it together, and we will find out what's on the other side. Last week, John the Baptist was the guide. And it helps us to go through that week of rejoicing. And we looked at his crisis. And it was a big crisis, you remember. John is in prison, and he sent to Jesus two of his disciples. And they are going to him, and they ask, Jesus, John wants to know, are you the one? Or should we wait for another one? That's a major crisis of faith. Don't you think John doubted that Jesus was the Messiah? We would go, how can it be? Well, it it happens, right? It happens to all of us, trying to figure out who is this God. But why was John the Baptist so so in, in in this crisis? What happened to him? Well, guess what? John basically he's telling Jesus, you are a disappointment. You're not behaving as I thought a messiah would be behaving. You're not doing what I was expecting you to do. And now, I'm not sure if I believe in you anywhere a- anymore. Well, John had particular ideas. He had very strong opinions. And I've been there. And I've been there. You know, many times People disappoint me. Why? Because they don't do what I am expecting them to do. I'm never clear with them. Are you supposed to do this, this, and this? No, I just have expectations. They don't fulfill them. I get upset. I'm sure it only happens to me, right? <laughs> but this is exactly the point. Sometimes our crisis comes from the fact that people disappoint us. Jesus, John was disappointed by Jesus. Sometimes God disappoints me, especially when he doesn't do what I tell him to do. And the church can disappoint us. Priests disappoint us. For us, we say the lay people disappoint. We are major disappointment. And God is telling us, can you prepare the way through this major disappointment and let me be the one. Let me be the one. Jesus helped John and us last week, as we heard in the gospel, by saying, don't focus on what you think. Focus instead on what God is doing. Because that should, should help us to break that crisis thing. Remember that the word crisis means to respond. Okay, so something is happening and we don't know how to respond. That's the crisis. But the response must be given. Now we find another crisis. Yay, be and be glad. But life is like this. What happens when people close to us disappoint us? What happens when people close to us hurt us? Well, St. Joseph becomes our guide. And speaking about crisis, right? Can you already feel it? Come on. This is a righteous man. Obviously, he's trying to do the right thing. And he wants to make the right decision and he finds himself in a very strange situation what is a man to do well today the liturgy tells us that there is a wonderful way we, we all respond to crisis either in a way or in another and the gospel the, the liturgy of the word helps us to identify both ways so the first way in which we can respond to a crisis is like the King Hehas in the first reading. Now, I have to tell you, I don't like to admit it, but I have a lot in common with King Hehas. Not being a king, although I think I I have my own kingdom in my mind. Then I wake up in the morning and poof, it's gone. But that's another homily. You have to come back for that one. King Hehas, okay, God tells the king through the prophet, ask me for a sign.
0: I would have loved to
1: have that. I went through the sign stages. Have you ever been through a sign stage? Lord, give me a sign. I want a sign. Everything is a sign. I would walk around. I was at the park and I would see a butterfly. Oh, that's a sign that God... No, it's just a butterfly passing by. But I was in that mode that everything. I was looking for a sign. Should I become a priest or not? Lord, give me a sign. Now is God telling the king, ask me for a sign. Oh, I would have loved to have that chance. And what does King, how about you, would you like to have that chance, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, when You remember when Jesus asked the person, you know, what do you want me to do for you? Like, Oh, I have a list. I just happened to have a list here. <laughs> All right, so what happened? King Haas responds, I will not respond. I will not put the Lord to the test. And Isaiah went, dude, really? This is God Almighty asking you to do something, and you want to be more religious than God. Sometimes our religiosity, our sense of religiosity, righteousness, make us go against our own religion. We think we ought to be, quote unquote, more Catholic than the Pope. Sometimes we pick one commandment and we think that's the only one. And I have to remind people, keep reading the book. It's going to get better. Don't just take one. Take the whole book. Right? Sometimes we go this way. So now Isaiah tells Hehas, dude, are you really going to weary God out because you're so not together? But sometimes we do that. We send mixed messages to God, don't we? We say, "Ho, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. But some restrictions may apply. Yeah. Not here. Take a detour, but don't come in this particular area of my life. And Jesus is going to go, okay, do you want me to come? Not come. I'm not really sure what's going on. You say, well, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life, but I'm going to tell him what kind of Lord he's going to be. And we go back to John the Baptist. He says. You see, sometimes we place ourselves in a situation where frustrate the plan of God for us. Now, God is going to accomplish His plan, as Isaiah is reminding Ahaz, are you in or out? And hopefully, by becoming aware, we can clear the way, and this Christmas, He can come for real and be God with us. Isn't that exciting? I can tell. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Whoa, for a moment there, it's a tough crowd. All right. All right. The other way of answering to a crisis, to an invitation of what God wants to do in our life, is to see Joseph, who becomes our guide. But I have to tell you, this is the 10 o'clock mass, so I usually get tired by 10 o'clock, so I reveal a lot of things about myself. But that's okay. You're my family. I struggled with St. Joseph. I struggled with his response. Because I always thought that Joseph, in the stories that we heard, is just resigned to the will of God. Right? Okay. First of all, let's clear up what's happening, because the story can be confusing. First of all, we have the word bethroned, which is a word that we could understand as engagement. And yet so Mary and Joseph are kind of, quote unquote, engaged, but they do not leave together. But the words used to describe each other is very, very, very confusing. Firstly, Joseph wants to divorce Mary. What is the very minimum requirement for a divorce? You have to be married. You can't divorce your fiancée. Right? That's called dismiss. I don't know what it's called. Uh, I don't think we have to, But anyway, whatever it is, it's not divorce. Are you with me? But that's what Joseph wants to do. He wants to divorce. The angel, when he talks to uh, Joseph, says, don't be afraid to take your wife. I thought they were engaged. <laughs> What's going on? Well, there, there is only one possible explanation. The story is telling us something, it's talking about something that we don't know. And the thing is this, that back then in that culture, the whole wedding, the whole matrimony was done in in stages. So you will still have a, a, a moment in which the two were united. So they were legally united, but they would take a year for them to live together. So Mary and Joseph are legally united. That's why he is struggling, because now, if he had been just a fiancé, you know, if there was no legal union, you know, I'm I'm going, you know, I, I mean, there is no problem. Well, there is a problem, but it's not. So now he finds himself with Mary pregnant. He knows that he has no part of it, and he has to do something. Two choices. Joseph only had two choices. One publicly proclaim that child is not mine. By law, Mary would have been stoned. Not good for Mary. The second choice is just a dismissal, a writing, a divorce paper, which was, um, dear Mary, you are no longer my spouse, love, Joe. Now I don't think you would have put a love, but anyway. He would fold the letter and give it to her. She would take the letter and be free from that union. But what's the problem? Mary would still have a child. And nobody would marry her. And there was no social security or whatever. So she would really be. So that's why Joseph is really struggling. He does not know what the righteous thing is. Not what the just thing, the legal thing, is the righteous thing. So what does he do? He prays, obviously, and he brings him to, he has him to his side. But God now reveals himself to Joseph and he says, don't be afraid. Behind this, there is God. And that's where I usually stopped. So, okay, he wakes up. goes, okay, Mary, let's go home. But there is something, a detail, that just came to life recently to me that made me appreciate and understand what Joseph was really doing. He wakes up, takes this child, and he gives this child something that Mary could not give him. Joseph names Jesus, gives the child the name. And with the name, Joseph gives him his last name. Right? Now Joseph, by calling Jesus, by claiming him as his own son, allows Jesus to be son of David. <coughs> allows Jesus to be, quote unquote, legally the Messiah. So Mary gave Jesus flesh and blood. Joseph gives him his public identity. Now Jesus has a complete identity. And both Mary and Joseph had a majestic, wonderful role to play. So Joseph is not just waking up and saying, well, you know, I tried my best. I tried all possible things, like I usually do. You know, when I want to do the will of God, means that I've tried my best to do my way, and then I resign myself to whatever is left over, which I call the will of God. Joseph is not doing that at all. He's allowing something that was decided for him, done for him, He claims it as his own, and he's now going for it. What a great lesson for us. Mary tells us that in our life, there are certain things that we decide. Right? Mary said, let it be done to me according to your word. Mary decided. Joseph is now facing something that somebody else decided for him. And there are things in our lives that have been decided for us. When I was preparing for this liturgy, I thought about all the times when I was in religious life or even as a priest. I had to move because it was decided for me that I would go someplace else. And one day I was in Italy. Another day I was in the United States of America. I was in Austin, Texas. Like, what happened? (laughs) Okay. Now, I have two choices too. Either I let that event Impact me, so I become a victim. I'm at the effect of something. Or, as a Christian, I say, Nope, whatever is done to me, I'm taking it and I'm becoming co protagonist. I'm letting Jesus be part of it. I'm letting now give that event my own identity. I know it's difficult, it's cold, it's a cold morning, but are you following what the story is telling us to do? We are active. When we're Christian, we can be active, but we can Christian also when things are done for us. So I'm no longer pushed around by events and people. Things happen, I take them, and I put Jesus in there. And Jesus can be the Messiah. Jesus can be God with us. I think these few couple of days that we have left over, Advent, can be used really through the intercession of St. Joseph to our advantage. And let's pray for each other. Let's support each other so that we can remain focused that no matter what is happening to us out of our control, can still be part of the Christmas story, can still be impregnated with the presence of Jesus. And hopefully, as we go through it, we clear the path and indeed we will celebrate the greatest, the greatest event that we can imagine God because of his great love for us decided to be God with us and with this in our heart hopefully we will be able to say in a very different way Merry Christmas to each one
0: and let's put in the hands of Saint Joseph our choice to continue our preparation for Christmas so that indeed we may make the reality of God with us a tangible experience this year. I wish you well and I pray that these last days of Advent may be a blessing for you and I'll talk to you very, very soon. In the meantime, let's pray for each other and keep in mind that God loves you immensely. God bless.